Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life. Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Refirement Life. This is your host, Christine Zamuda, with my amazing co-host, Muge Wood. And today we're going to talk about who and how we spend our time and why it matters. There's been a interesting research study on the um, on how Americans spend their time, and we were inspired by a podcast by Mel Robbins on the topic, which we will link to our notes so you can listen to the whole thing. But we're going to do a little bit of an excerpt here and just um, give you all some food for thought. It definitely has us thinking. So we wanted to, to bring it to our listeners. So Muge, let's let's start and get into the conversation here. I think uh, just as we bring our listeners along, a, a little mental quiz. So let's uh, let's see if if you can and listeners please think along with us. Um, can you name the last five artists who won Artist of the Year? And for you the can't Grammys? use the internet. <laughs> you can't use the internet. Yeah. So off the top of your head, like think of the last five years. I'm sure Beyonce was in there. <laughs> Taylor Swift could be. I mean, Taylor Swift was famous. actually yeah, slightly, slightly. slightly yes. Famous. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's a possibility. Um, could you name the last uh, five Olympic gold medal winners in women's gymnastics? Hmm. Simone Biles. Yes. That would make sense. But and she's then a lo- again, yeah. She's a local girl, too, to our area. She, so we she, love her. Local. Yes, yes, we love her. And she and her um, husband are building a very nice house north of Houston. So really excited that they continue to stay and invest uh, in the community. Great very role cool. models. Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm like caught in a time warp on gymnastics. I always think about the old school ones that I used to watch. Yes. Mary Lou Retton. Of course, she's Nadia been in the Kamenachi. news. Yes. Olga Colbert. That's an older, Olga or, older Colbert, one. Yes. yes. I, well, I grew up with those uh, uh-huh. watching and uh, just being amazed what they are able to do. That's right. That's so right. Carrie Scruggs. Is, remember the broken ankle? Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. And she still continued. That's that's amazing. Amazing. That's right. That's right. I think uh, the other question to amend that's not here yet is uh, uh, our tennis uh, prowess. uh, Also, who are the last five, uh, you know, U.S. Open champions, etc. And even you and I are both super interested in tennis. We probably couldn't name it with accuracy. I mean, we generally are in the ballpark, but it wouldn't really be accurate. Completely. Exactly. And I always pronounce the names wrong, too. Especially the Slavic ones. I have a real problem with that. Even though my my husband's Polish and we got that real fun name, Zamuda. <laughs> well, well, I think uh, I think you just spend more time in that part of the world and practice locally. That's what yes. you need to do. That's yes, it's on the list actually. All right, so so now now we're gonna shift gears a little bit. So I bet you can name your five favorite people that you have worked with, and just Easy. think about that. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. 
and big and, smiles. And, and, and unfortunately, the ones that you don't want to work with either also. <laughs> so like the two complementary opposite sides of the coin, but easy, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You have a fight between the darkness and the light, huh? <laughs> Right, a complete Star Wars etc. going on here. Yes. All right. Your five favorite memories with your parents or siblings. Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot of Thank- good ones. And and you know, the interesting thing, Christine, with this is not only you can think about it a whole lot more readily compared to the previous set, but how it makes you feel, you know, it's just very positive, warm uplifting feeling to think about these things exactly exactly and then as we're thinking i mean you you may have um had some people in your life who weren't at work or you know you, you met them along the way and you just miss seeing them and maybe for whatever reason aren't as easily connected to them in your life yep. and probably have some great memories there too adult friendships that maybe should be rekindled. That's right. That's right. Because uh, circumstances can sometimes uh, get in the way. Um, and then I like this one too. Uh, the five, uh, your five favorite people you have laughed with. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think you're on the list, Christine, because we are <laughs> laughing as we speak. Like this happens very routinely. Thank you. Yes. You're, you're definitely on my list. <laughs> I was telling Paul, I said, you know, this couple of uh, week break that we had over the holidays, I was like, I feel like I'm missing like a limb. It's Muge. I need to make yes. sure that we are. That's right. Like I connected. said, uh, our time together is uh, first and foremost beneficial to me um, and hopefully our listeners as well. It's an absolute highlight. So Aww. and for all the reasons that that we um, that we talk about. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's highlight for me too. Um, something my dad always said, and we always said with our kids growing up is you are the sum average of the five people you're spending the most time with. So if you think about people who teach you something, who bring out the best in you, who you learn from, those are always great people to have around. Of course, people you laugh with. And then on the reverse, you know, if you're not feeling like you're, your soul is benefiting from the exposure to some people for whatever reason, you know, those are opportunities to just, uh, you know, seek out less, should I say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So Mel Robbins had this interesting podcast and she bounces off of a couple findings from this survey of time And the first one she shares, you know, really, you know, hit me and I think it'll hit anyone who's who has parents that are, you know, fortunately still still with us and thriving, surviving. But uh, when you think about family time, if you think about the average age, you know, women are living to like 86, men are living till like 83, typically, depending on what survey you're looking at. And say you do family vacations once a year with those uh, with your parents. And if your you know mom or dad is seventy five, you know, you may have less than ten vacations left with them. So thinking about how important that time is, what are you doing when you're there? How do you make that a priority? you know, and really be present as well as just, 
you know, physically there, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. So first of all, Christine, thank you so much for um, highlighting this podcast. Uh, it uh, made me think a lot. And I think uh, what really um, puts things in clear focus is the math behind it. You start doing the math. How many realistically? Because sometimes we feel like we have all the time in the world and, and, and we don't. Um, and another thing that's interesting about this particular data, um, uh, the family time, uh, I think Mal said based on this study, uh, the time you spend with your family, especially with your kids, um, levels at the age of 26. So when your kids are 26 and onward, whatever time you usually are spending with them is kind of what it ends up being as a um, habitual thing. So um it becomes really important, I think, to be very intentional to create that time um, and uh, make sure it's something that you're investing in, because if you don't, it's probably not going to happen by itself, um, given your kids go and build their own lives and you may be in different cities and places from your family um, and you look for that special occasion, um, whether it's wedding or um, big milestone birthday that may or may not happen. And, and one that always strikes me is, um, you know, people get together pretty rapidly for funerals. Mm -hmm. uh, to honor the life of the person who passed on. Um, that's great. I think that's good. But I think we got to show the same care attention um, to celebrate the living um, mm -hmm. just as readily um, because everybody probably appreciates it even more. So um, so it's just um, it's a great um, data point to really help, um, I think, inform um, not only how you spend your time, but where you put your energy Absolutely. to make that happen. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Celebrating the living. That will, okay, it just sparked a thought in my head. What do you think of people who who throw their own um celebration of life before they before they pass? Well, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good idea because um I try to frame um funerals which is an inevitable part of life is um honoring the life and legacy of that person. Um mm -hmm. as hard as it may be. So, um I mean that as you know, my resolution for the year is champagne lunches and events. So, I mean that all goes with that spirit of celebration. But that brought up another point. I'm curious about what you're going to say. This celebration of day of the dead that mm -hmm. is, I think, more in the Hispanic culture. I initially did not completely understand it. And of course, a Disney movie came out about it, which helps us all understand things that we have difficulty understanding. I'm like, that's also neat. Mm -hmm. It's a way to honor the people who are no longer with you and make sure we are making time for that. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm all for throwing your own party that goes along with buying your own flowers when you want to. Um, it, it's it's good. I, I, I guess you just cannot celebrate enough with the people yeah. you want to celebrate with. So I, I, I like it. I agree. And I, I agree also just finding like quirky ways to celebrate, you know, whether it's Groundhog Day or, or just you know, a, a friend throws a party, Galentine's Day instead of Valentine's Day, you know, just having fun with whatever time we have is is great. And I, I like the idea also of having standing traditions in families. So one of the things my dad did actually, you know, probably I think it was 
seven years before he passed away and he passed away unexpectedly. So we had no idea that this was going to happen, but we had been going to um, the beach together as a family, always doing 4th of July week. And he made us all around the table, all four girls and their families promise we would always be together this certain week, no matter what. And we've done that now. I think it's 20 years that we've been together. And, you know, certainly all the cousins look forward to it. We look forward to it. But I've often had, you know, friends say, wow, I really wish my family did that. It's just so hard to find the time. It's hard to line up the schedules. And fortunately, like we figured it out early. That was a great week for my sisters who were teachers. And sometimes they would work during the summer. But Fourth of July week is the week. And we just make it happen. Yeah, I think that's awesome because sometimes I've seen this in my family as well as other families. Um, uh, One of the parents or both of the parents pass and then the traditions that held the family together may also um, vanish. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, unless it becomes an intentional um, habit or ritual that everybody rallies around, it's easy for things to kind of dissipate and um, then then you don't see each other as often anymore. The other thing I'll say is, um, you know, as busy and as important as we all are, I think you can make the time if you really want to. Mm hmm. I mean, you really can. So I, I think that's that mindset uh, shift and and uh, understanding the importance and emergency, emergency, I would say emergency of it, urgency of it. Um, you can find a time which um, I think Mel is helping us think through uh, in very, very clear terms. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So let's shift to where we spend our most time and who we spend it with. And you know the answer, Mugay. Yes, your partner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, that and so let's talk about partners first. The most important decision you're going to make in your life, right? Yes, yes. Very true. Very true. I think a lot of uh, successful, famous people say this as well. Um, We talk about Mm -hmm. what gives you fulfilling life and success on your own terms. Um, It is certainly, you know, educating yourself and going to the gym and eating nutritious foods and all those kinds of things. Um, But even before any of that, it is who you choose to spend your life with. Um, because you're going to spend a lot of time with that individual um, and uh, how that can be a great experience for you and take you to heights um, that you didn't think would be possible and vice versa. So it is absolutely uh, critical. Yes, I would agree. I think we all would generally agree with that. Yeah. And especially they say, I mean, when you're 60 or older, you're spending a ton of time with that single person and they, they, the advice is, you know, really think about how does that person make you feel? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that so many of us got a taste of what that feels like during COVID. Cause that was a real <laughs> primer of compressing <laughs> yes. your space, compressing your days, nights, you know, that actually might've been even <laughs> More, more challenging than regular retirement, right? That, that was, that, yes, that was interesting. And it went in either direction. I mm-hmm. think some people uh, forged new relationships and they said COVID was the test that showed us this is the right person because mm-hmm. we made this work through this two-year period. And for some others, they're like, oh, this did not work out the way I thought it would. I am ready to... Uh, like change the scenery here. So right. uh, yes, it was a it was a real test. Yes. Yeah, I think Paul and I developed like some relationship hacks. I'm like, 
Oh, you're really chatty today. (laughs) 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 Which is read between the lines. I need some time by myself. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I think it sometimes still happens. And, uh, you know, with my husband, how about um, your girlfriends? You want to uh, do an outing (laughs) with them? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, that you said it. Actually, maybe I should. (laughs) Here's your phone. Start calling. (laughs) Yeah, let's get this energy out of your system, the positive energy you have that is, like, everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, the other other, uh, people we spend a ton of time with are our work colleagues, and it may shock many people. But to think about this number, but the average American spends about 40 years with people they work with. Think about that. Oh, my God. That is that is that is a lot. That's also astounding. But also Mm -hmm. the math is usual. It adds up. And I think um, one thing that I find helpful and it was called out in the podcast is whatever the work is, I think it's really important to find people within your work environment that you can be friends with mm-hmm. uh, and can be part of your community. Um, it really helps because liking the people you work with um, at some level um, is, is really healthy. And I find that in all of my jobs, regardless of where I am, the community centered around that either directly related to your job or outside becomes a real lifeline. Because yep. those people become the sounding board when you want to share something or um, just, you know, start your day. Maybe you're not feeling your best self. You just ping the person, have a conversation and you feel uplifted. So I think I am a big believer in um, forming the community, formal or informal uh, mm-hmm. at work and finding um, two, three, four, five individuals who um, you're, you can be friends with. And it just makes everything so much better. It really, it really does. does. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really does. And actually, we had touched upon this in a previous podcast, but friends at work uh, provide a great um, proclivity to being more engaged at work. And when you're more engaged at work, engaged employees contribute. I, I just this stat is fresh in my mind because I was just doing some work um on another project, but uh, they engaged employees will contribute $13,000 roughly more mm-hmm. per employee when they're, when they're engaged in revenue. Mm-hmm. So like, think about that could add up across a huge organization pretty, pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, we see all LinkedIn posts uh, on people deciding to retire or move on to something else. And Mm -hmm. invariably, the common point there is it's the people who I worked with made the Mm -hmm. most difference and impression on me. And similar to the first uh, three, four questions we discussed, I mean, I don't remember my metrics in a given role from 15 years ago, but I do remember um, the people I worked with, who I learned from, who I was able to help and um, you know, it made it an environment of um, collaboration and fun that um, made made everything better. The other thing is, I think it's an ongoing quest 
for um, companies, organizations to retain talent. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you can do that in a variety of ways, uh, but one way is exactly this, creating that environment of interaction, collaboration, sense of belonging, because people connect you to the place. Um, right. So um, it, it, really, it really makes it better, because I think we are all uh, are going to spend that time uh, at work uh, doing something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you, you know, finding your friends at work um, makes a makes a big, big difference. And that goes to getting to know people at a personal level instead of a, you know, transactional level. You know, you do this, I do this and, you know, mm-hmm. work is over. Um, you get to know people. And even with people, perhaps you don't think you have as much in common. Maybe someone is making you really mad, but then you get to know the person and you're like, okay, now I appreciate it. I appreciate where this other person is coming from. So I think win-win all around. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, recognize which people make you feel good. And it's good. Your body is telling you something that there's something to be learned, something I'm enjoying. And, I would offer, you know, don't be afraid to say, hey, would you mind if we connect just, you know, 20 minutes in a couple weeks, you know, just to keep that relationship going, being, you know, a little bit, you know, vulnerable sometimes mm-hmm. to make that connection, ask for that connection and, um, you know, give that relationship room to to grow. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I And conversely, I would say, if you're not feeling great about your colleagues, your boss, your work environment, start today to start looking for how do I change the situation? How mm-hmm. do I find something else um, that would benefit me more and make me happier overall? Yep, that's right. And I think uh, you made a great point. We know how people make us feel. Now, do we acknowledge and act on it as something else? And some of it is uh, a little bit through um, experience and experimentation, too. I've been in situations where someone may be complaining a lot about Mm -hmm. a given situation, like nonstop. And uh, that's a lot of negative energy day after day. And uh, I'm a believer in if you don't like a situation that much, then change it. Because mm-hmm. it's just not really worth being in that situation and just complaining nonstop. So yep. maybe you reduce your relationship with those individuals. And conversely, someone could be just overly positive all the time and not really <laughs> acknowledging <Realistic>. a particular <laughs> challenge. And that can also be a little too much. So, so you know, you kind of have to find your lane. Um, but it goes back to how the individual uh, made you feel. I think it was Maya Angelou, right, had the famous saying, mm-hmm. Um, you always remember how someone made you feel, not what they said, but how they made you feel. It does leave um, a, a big impression. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's let's um, shift gears to another one of the findings. And this question, you know, harkens back to uh, igniting or reigniting friendships that maybe you have, uh, well, not lost, but, you know, just, um, haven't been active in. Right. So this, uh, this question is, can you pinpoint the age when you thought you were not seeing your friends as much? Any guess on, on what time that time of life that was? 
So um, my husband and I were listening to the podcast on our way to see our son, and we immediately, almost at the same time, said um, college, right? At college, you have this great togetherness, and after graduation, um, uh, more or less, it starts drifting off. You start uh, getting into a more adult life, you start your work, you may start a family, and there is a sharp drop-off. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there really is. And then what, what do you do with that? Yep. Agree. Agree. Yeah. College. Yeah. That 21, 22. And then I think the other phase, I just remember, you know, having this really tight group of girlfriends in the DC area when we were first working, had very little responsibilities other than to show up nine to five. And then the rest of the time we had money, we had, you know, a good amount of time and we had a ton of energy. So we would, you know, tear up the town and get to work rinse and repeat and then uh all of a sudden like we all got in serious relationships we started you know settling down taking work a little bit more seriously (laughs) and then those relationships actually you know everyone kind of went their own way relocations to other places so we weren't you know geographically close uh but yeah that's another i think period of life that 29 30 that some some relationships um, aren't as accessible. That's that's very true because um, people may move away and then so you are working full time. Probably your job is taking off, and then you add family responsibilities to it. Uh, you need to take care of yourself a little bit in this process as well. So you just simply run out of time, and uh, whatever little time you have left, you you may want to spend it just resting. <laughs> you know, it's not the <laughs> It's not the days of infinite um, time and energy. So um, I definitely see that as well. Now, the good news is um, I think as we go through stages of life, um, especially um, the empty nester state uh, gives you, uh, again, time and possibly energy as well to rekindle those relationships. Um, uh, So as an example, I have um, two really good um, friends from college we we were like the trio uh back in you know 91 when i first came to the us they were my first girlfriends that i made here in this country and we always stay close but we obviously can't spend that much time together they are in pennsylvania i'm in texas and I said, this year will be the year we are going to change that. So they are coming down at the end of February to Houston um, to enjoy the rodeo and the local <laughs> amenities. Um, and I convinced them that they are going to meet a lot of cowboys. Um, and it's going to be very interesting. They are shopping for their cowboy hats and the rodeo attire. Um, and, you know, we are going to make it happen. Um, so I am really looking forward to that. But I give this example to say you have to put in a lot of effort. Um, uh, it's just not going to happen by meeting at a coffee shop sometimes. That is awesome. And I can't wait to hear about the uh, escapades of, of the trio. And I think you should warn them because I remember living in Texas and I remember uh, two-stepping for the like first, second, third time when I was down there. And you use different muscles from dancing backwards all night. Yes. Yeah, so that's we, right. Those, those girls are going to be uh, feeling that the next day. 
Yes, not to mention what you're wearing. Uh, so uh, especially if you try to do the boots and do that, uh, that, that is a lifestyle. It takes uh, practice. You don't just jump into it. Yeah. Well, I, I highly recommend what you're doing. And I did this with two of my high school girlfriends two years ago, um, one living in Michigan, one living in Jersey, but we all had met in Michigan in high school. And they came to town and I showed them all over D.C., and we are we never laughed so hard. We laughed. We were crying, laughing for basically seventy two hours. Yes, it that is so that funny. is the goal. They have some distinct ideas of what life in Texas is like. Uh, so, uh, so we, we are going to experience this. Some of it is accurate. Some of it is not. Um, so we are not going to wagon races in the street, but we are going <laughs> to see that at the rodeo. Um, ample amount of margarita barbecue and uh, assorted activities. So looking forward to that. I think uh, you know you got to make the effort. It works. Yes. Yes, it works. Yes. I, and it, to be honest, I wouldn't have probably made that effort as much five years ago. It's because mm. I was busy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but now that kids are at college, I am getting a little more um, time and want to use that time wisely. So great. So great. All right. The last stat that we're going to talk about is uh, one of the findings. They said that older people spend more time alone, but this doesn't necessarily mean they're lonely which is a really interesting stat. And what it says here is um, essentially, da, 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 I think it, uh, it was something about like, uh, so, some, it was like, you know, you're not alone. You're with yourself. Right. I think was I think was the phrasing that I was looking for, mm-hmm. um, which is very different than being alone, spending yes. time with yourself. Right. Yes. Spending time with yourself, which uh, that was the key message, and which I think is um, something we need to sit with all throughout, because uh, there's, I think, a lot of um, reflection and um, getting to know yourself um, in that time period. Um, so uh, whether you go for a walk, you read a book, you take yourself to lunch, you sit at a coffee shop, um, uh, just being comfortable with that. So you get to know yourself even more. Um, I think that's a great thing. So mm-hmm. um, there's always that distinction of being um, by yourself um, doesn't mean you're alone uh, right. or lonely. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean you're lonely. Um, so that that feeling, I think, is something that comes from within. As we know, you can feel lonely in a big crowd of people. Um, but I think this one is about how um, we can cultivate this sense of ease being mm-hmm. with ourselves um, and um, have a great time um, yeah. doing that. Agree. Agree. And I, I know people, I'm sure you know people, too, who are f- afraid to do anything by themselves. Yes. Af- afraid to eat in a restaurant, afraid to go to a movie by themselves, afraid, afraid to go to, to a travel. concert. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you miss out a lot. Mm-hmm. You, you you miss out a lot. Uh, I, I think the good thing is, um, I think as a society, we are being more comfortable with that. Uh, we see a lot of um, activities for solo travelers or people who want to go on vacation by themselves for whatever reason. I think it's becoming more accepted and open. Um, but mm-hmm. yes, it, at times it can feel um, a little awkward, especially if you are um, going on a dinner or lunch by yourself you're like okay you know what what should I do with my hands where should I look um Mm -hmm. etc so um but I think um being with yourself and listening 
to um, your thoughts um, and uh, also observing what's going on around you, it can really be very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. One other thing they said was now when you're alone with yourself, typically like as you get older, 50 to they say in the studies about 75 loneliness does not increase, but it does increase after 75. And mm-hmm. I imagine, you know, there's some natural loss of right. friendships just, you know, due to some people maybe passing on potentially, you know, some people are not just physically as active yep. and can't get out. So just something for all of us to think about is think about our older you know, relatives, how can we make their day better? How can we um, find ways to uh, engage them in activities, phone calls, uh, et cetera, just to uh, keep their spirits up if they're in that situation? Mm -hmm. Very true. I think a lot of things can get in the way of um, doing the things you used to be able to do. But at the same time, uh, I see it in my mom. I see it in um, other um, uh, senior citizens at the care facility that she's in. Um, They love music. Mm -hmm. Uh, They love to dance. Um, They love to engage. Um, So, I mean, there's a lot of vitality in life. It's just how it manifests itself could be different. And I completely agree with you being mindful of that and uh, creating opportunity um, for that to come out is uh, really fulfilling for uh, everybody. Um, Because there there is a lot of life left, uh, regardless of the age that uh, that you're in. That's it's all, you know, in the mind. Agree, agree. One thing that wasn't in the study, but I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch is, is what happens to the younger generation. I had an interesting discussion with um, a young attorney and she's, you know, in her probably later 20s, you know, married, no kids, dual income, um, successful career. And I was just asking her, you know, how how is it these days, you know, doing what you're doing. And, and she said, it's been interesting to talk to a lot of her colleagues, her peers that are also in successful careers. And she said that there is a high degree of loneliness amongst that group. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, she attributes it to a couple things. She says, um, well, first, you know, the ideal in life is, or, you know, what what they've been taught is, hey, if you can make it on your own and you can live by yourself, that's, you know, success. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of these um, individuals, they went from college who, who now, you know, many people are in a single room, not mm-hmm. not a, you know, not sharing space as much as generations did before. And then they go from that to a a, a city for their job where they're alone and just like trying to figure out how does that all work? And she mentioned this um, concept of um, third spaces that you should always have a, a third space. You have your your work, you have your your home, and then you have a place of community. And that so many of the community places are like no longer around. You know, some libraries are closing, some community centers are closing. So that all like feeds into this you know potential loneliness for for younger people. I just found that was really interesting. 
That is interesting. And I think uh, with all of these uh, changes, um, the interaction dynamic shifts, there is a lot more online connections, even though they can be meaningful, they are still different. Um, and um, I think it goes back to, again, the need to be more intentional about making those connections because they may not happen um, as readily as, as they used to. And that can be tough on the mental health, especially for um, a younger generation as well, which we have seen evidence of that during the pandemic. It was a scary period, um, mm -hmm. especially for younger generation, whether they are going to school, whether they are early in their careers, uh, the need to meet and connect. And, and for everybody, uh, for that matter, Matter. Um, but especially um, the um, digital medium, uh, as much as it um, gives us access, it also can um, separate us at times. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just uh, balancing that out and uh, knowing yourself um, is, is really important. But community support cannot be underestimated, whether that's family, whether it's through interests. Um, it's, it's really key. It's really key. Yeah, yeah, agree. So I think with that, we will wrap. Is there anything else, Muge, you'd like to add before we close? I think I will just give all of ourselves a challenge uh, as we wrap up, which is that uh, please um, create an opportunity to reconnect with someone who you have been thinking about, uh, but maybe you have another chance to see or speak with um, and um, just make that happen uh, and see how that feels. Yeah, yeah. And I would add, you know, you don't have to be a statistic, right, about some of these situations where, hey, you're only going to see your family 10, 20 times, you know, you can change that. You right. just have to be the spark to rally folks, get it on the calendar, execute on the plan, and uh, make sure you're spending quality time with the people you love best and uh, make that happen. Very true. All right. Well, we will put a link to the Mel Robbins podcast in our notes. With that, hopefully you have uh, something to think about and more importantly, something to act on. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll close until next time. Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy, inspire, and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.